Hello America, my name is Raymond Repass. It is August 13th, 2016. Welcome to the American Loyalist Podcast. should have done, I am hitting the reset button on the American Loyalist. This week, I tried bringing you uh, daily and even twice daily updates, but between uh, a full-time job and full-time parenting, that is just proving to be an impossibility right now. So I am taking it back to a once-per-week episode for now. Episodes will discuss events and issues important to American loyalists. The other show I started last week, The Angry American, is going on the back burner for now. I sincerely hope to be able to move the podcast back to a daily schedule, but I will have more on that later in the show. Uh, This week, Trump and the rise of racism in America. Does anyone remember anything from your days in grade school or from history books that happened between 1939 and 1945? Wait, wasn't that when World War II was fought? And weren't the Nazis the primary enemy in that war? Why, yes, that does seem to be accurate, but... You don't have to take my word on that. Google it. And while you're at it, why don't you also Google who the American Nazi Party, yes, that is a thing, endorses for president in this year's election. It doesn't take much searching to find that they think Trump will provide them a real opportunity to advance their causes. But, again... Don't take my word for it. Here's American Nazi Party Chair uh, Rocky Suheda on the subject. Now, if Trump does win, okay, it's going to be a real opportunity for people like white nationalists, okay, acting. Now, Mr. Suheda constantly refers to himself as a white nationalist, and some people might not know what that is. So, the definition of nationalism from Merriam-Webster is as follows. 1. 
a feeling that people have of being loyal to and proud of their country often with the belief that it is better or more important than other countries and two a desire by a large group of people such as people who share the same culture history language etc to form a separate and independent nation of their own therefore a white nationalist is someone who feels white people are better than and should be governed apart from not white people in other words a racist in the interview Suheda goes on to mention taking actions such as forming a congressional white caucus as a countermeasure to the congressional black caucus and claims that white people now have thin skin when it comes to fear of being perceived as quote unquote bigots the Trump uh, campaign has not denounced the endorsement despite Trump being quoted by the New York Times in the uh, in 2000 as saying he didn't want to keep company with a neo-nazi when asked about the reform party instead a Trump surrogate all but accepted the nomination by stating the campaign receives endorsements and they don't always ask for them but that Americans can vote for uh, who they believe will be the better president to represent their values. Here's what every white nationalist heard. Trump's your guy. By the way, uh, Trump did uh, say he didn't want or need the votes of the GOP members who thought he would be a risk to national security. Anyway, this is not the first time during the businessman's run for presidency that he has received uh, endorsements from these so-called white nationalists. You're paying attention to the presidential elections this time. Oh, yes. In your own personal opinion, who's best for the job? I think Donald Trump would be best for the job. For president? Yes. The reason a lot of Klan members like Donald Trump is because a lot of what he believes, we believe in. That was the Imperial Wizard from the Rebel, Br Rebel Brigade Knights of the Ku Klux Klan endorsing Trump during the presidential primaries. Now, in the interview, the Imperial Wizard claims that the KKK does not hate African Americans or anybody else. They simply don't like what they do. Again, the Trump campaign did not denounce these endorsements. This should come as absolutely no surprise to anyone that has done even a little research into Trump's background. The candidate has a very long history of sexist and racist comments. Many of these comments paint a very clear picture of where he stands on issues of equality in this country. Here's a small sample gathered from various sources. Former president of uh, Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino, Jack O'Donnell, recalls Trump as saying, I have black guys counting my money. I hate it. The only people I want counting my money are short guys that wear yarmulkes every day. Now, Trump himself disputed this claim, saying he, saying 
he never said it, and that he hardly knew Mr. O'Donnell. He says that a lot. I hardly knew this person or that person. He said it about mobsters standing right next to him in photos during openings of his buildings, posing for pictures right next to not mobsters, but I hardly knew the guy. But this guy was the president of one of Trump's biggest uh, earning casinos, and I simply cannot believe he did not know this guy well enough to appoint him president. But even if you won't accept that one, here's a little gem from Trump himself in 1989. A well-educated black has a tremendous advantage over a well-educated white in terms of the job market. I would love to be a well-educated black because I believe they do have an actual advantage. Like many of the things this man says, it is worded in such a way that he could blunder his way through a justification. Yet, this displays either an extreme disconnection with what is actually going on in the world, especially with what was going on in the world at that time, a recurring theme with the billionaire who, if you remember his comments about Putin not going into the Ukraine, another clear example of him not knowing what's going on in the world, or it's an actual belief in his mind that African Americans are treated better simply because they are African American. Throughout the primary, Trump demonized Hispanics, but again, don't take my word for it. Here is Trump himself. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. And here's Trump regarding Muslims. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. There is no evidence that the Trump campaign has solicited endorsements from the American Nazi Party or from the KKK. Uh, and they are obviously aren't going to admit that they are racist, uh, but uh, they are receiving these endorsements from a broad range of organizations and people associated with white supremacy movements. That doesn't change the fact that he is still receiving them. Something about Trump's message is resonating with these individuals, and there is no evidence that Trump has, is, or will speak out against them either. Should Donald Trump become president, I would not be the least bit surprised if we witnessed a dramatic increase in hate crimes and systemic racism and decades of civil rights progress made in this country being sent back at least to the 1960s. We are already seeing that it took a federal investigation by the Department of Justice to cover up a history of systemic racism and discrimination in the Baltimore Police Department in order to get the ball rolling on the next set of civil rights changes that need to take place in this country. Yet, with Trump as president, I don't see any federal action being taken to combat racism discrimination, or any other form of hate crime, or violence for that matter. As a matter of fact, Trump himself is known for encouraging violence. If you don't believe me, here's a little montage I put together. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish, 
the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick... If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. But And he's walking out, and we're not allowed, you know, the guards are very gentle with him. He's walking out like big high fives, smiling, laughing, like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. So if you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of him, would you? Seriously. Okay? Just knock the hell. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees, I promise. I promise. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? You have to take out their families. When you get these terrorists, you have to take out their families. They, they care about their lives. Don't kid yourself. Mr. But they Trump say they don't care about their lives. You have to take out their families. I want your opinions on this. Visit my Twitter feed, at a loyalist pod, and answer the poll pinned there. Will a Trump presidency lead to a rise of racism in America? You can also tweet comments to me or leave them in the comments on uh, here on the website, AmericanLoyalistPod.wordpress.com. The results of that poll and selected comments will be shared in the next week in next week's episode. All right, let's uh, let's talk about something else. There are three main components that lead positive change. The first thing is necessity. As the saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A vast majority of positive change from civil civil rights to advances in medicine come as a result of there being a problem that needs a solution. The second thing is inspiration. So many people sit around and look at problems every day and don't do a single thing to establish the change needed to fix the problem for various reasons. Right now, the cure to cancer could be resting in the mind of a college freshman who will never find it because they have not been motivated to find it. Remember, no one can change themselves or anything else unless they want to. Finally comes vision. Someone can have a need for change and the motivation to make change, but unless they know what they want that change to look like, they risk making a problem worse. American loyalism is about making positive change. It was watching the presidential primaries unfold that led me to start putting together the idea that would become American loyalism. No candidate worried me more than Donald Trump for so many reasons. From day one, he started using fear and xenophobia to drive his campaign. Rather than trying to have healthy conversations and debates with his fellow Republican hopefuls, he took to insulting them and their families. He drove conspiracy theories talking about how the election was rigged against him, although he usually had a steady lead in the polls. He even shared a confusion as to why America doesn't use its nuclear arsenal. From day one, I dreaded Trump winning the Republican nomination. Donald Trump and people like him were the ugly face of the necessity behind American loyalism. To offset this, 
no candidate gave me more hope than Bernie Sanders. Bernie set out to do what has needed to be done for a very long time now. Create a government that serves the people instead of the country's elite. He was the first to speak about unfair trade deals, raising the minimum wage, providing free education, and ending the stranglehold the top 1% holds over the rest of the people in America. And he did all of this by by accepting small donations from everyday people while inspiring a whole new generation of young people to become active citizens and participate in the current system to make the changes we need. Bernie Sanders is the inspiration behind American loyalism. As I watched the primaries, I found found myself reflecting on a lot of things regarding our country. I do this a lot, choose a topic and just think about it. And what I found myself thinking about most is, what would our founders, from George Washington and Sam Adams to the poor colonists who died on the battlefield for my independence, what would they think about America today? I'm not going to candy coat American history. A lot of these guys were racists whose idea of equal of equality meant you were equal if you were a white male. I am not going to say that they would be overjoyed that African Americans were freed from slavery or that women now have the right to vote. I'm not going to say they'd be happy that same-sex couples are allowed to marry or that abortion is a protected right. I will not deceive myself or try to deceive you into believing that. However, I will say this. They would be absolutely horrified at how divided we are as a nation. They would be appalled at our government's beholdence to big money. So much so that all the other things I mentioned that they might not be happy about would fall by the wayside. They defied a king, fought a war lived and died to unite 13 poor colonies and create one of the most powerful countries in human history. We do not have to share their thoughts or even each other's thoughts on issues of race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or any of the other things that make us individuals in order to believe in the unity they wish to create and the protection the government was supposed to provide for that unity. And this is where the vision for American loyalism came from. America in the 21st century should take the original vision of our founders and readjust it to fit the times. We should be a land of freedom and equality, justice and altruism, hope and opportunity for every last person lucky enough to count themselves as an American citizen. Striving toward and exceeding that vision, that is what it means to be an American loyalist. I want to start ending these episodes with a quote, and the quote I am ending this episode with I think embodies a very important aspect of American loyalism, especially during this election year. Patriotism means to stand by the country. It does not mean to stand by the president. 
Theodore Roosevelt. The American Loyalist is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. I am proud to serve the American people rather than corporate, investor, or special interests. You will, <clears throat> excuse me, you will never hear a sponsored advertisement on the American Loyalist, but if you would like to support media unpolluted by big money, you can do so at patreon.com/americanloyalist. Thanks for listening.